Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, for many of these, these uh, for many of us, these stories were told at bedtime by our parents, trying to get us to go to sleep, but still trying to teach us lessons that we needed to know. And for others, uh, these are the stories we heard gathered around the feet of our, ch- our, our teachers uh, very early on as they taught us these tales that contained truth. And so we're going to look back at one of the uh, fairy tales that we learned, um, and let's see if you can help me tell the tale this morning just a little bit. All right, here's how it goes. It says, once upon a time, got to love it. I love it. That's the best way every time. Once upon a time, there was a little old man and a little old woman who lived in a cottage. They would have been happy except for the fact that they did not have a child. One day when the old lady was making gingerbread, she cut a piece in the shape of a boy and put it into the oven. And when she opened the oven again, the gingerbread man jumped out and ran through the kitchen and out the cottage shouting, don't eat me. And the little old woman ran after the gingerbread man. Stop, she yelled. But the gingerbread bread, the gingerbread man ran even faster, chanting, Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. All right, all right. So, so, um, so uh, the woman called her husband, and they went after him, but could not catch him. And the gingerbread man runs by a barn full of threshers and says, I've run away from a little old woman and a little old man, and I can run away from you. I can because I'm the, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So the barn full of threshers joined the chase but could not catch him as well. Next, the gingerbread man came to a field of mowers and again boasting they couldn't catch him. Then came a cow, then a pig, but no one was close to catching the gingerbread man. Then the gingerbread man reached a wide river, but he didn't know how to swim. And a sly and hungry fox saw the gingerbread man and said, jump on my tail and I'll take you across the river. And the gingerbread man thought to himself, I'll be safe on his tail. So he jumped on the fox's tail and they started across the river. And halfway across the river, the fox barked, you're too heavy for my tail, jump on my back. And so the gingerbread man jumped on the fox's back and soon the fox said, you're too heavy for my back. Jump onto my nose. So the gingerbread man jumped on the fox's nose. But as soon as they reached the riverbank, the fox flipped the gingerbread man into the air, caught him, and began to eat him up with the gingerbread man stating, Oh dear, I'm a quarter gone. And then, Oh, I'm half gone. And then, I'm three quarters gone. And finally, I'm all gone. The gingerbread man. Let me um, uh, share with you some spiritual truths out of this account. And then at the end, I'm going to bring you to Scripture and show you that there is a gingerbread man in Scripture. All right, are you ready? The first thing that we learn spiritually, now I know there are morals to the story about pride and some things like that, but, but let, me, let me see if I can teach you some spiritual lessons this morning because I think the gingerbread man account teaches us or shows us that we all think that we are the exception rather than the rule. Uh, the gingerbread man's dilemma came because he assumed that he couldn't be caught. Doesn't that sound like us? We make this assumption and we, we assume that we're unable to be caught. And so what we do is this, we watch others all around us that fall to the traps laid out by 
the fox of foxes. He, he lays out the traps ahead of us, in front of us, all around us. But we make this assumption that we think we're too fast to be caught. Nobody can catch us. It's amazing to me that when you read in the New Testament that Jesus stands up and he, uh, he tells us the job description of this fox. He, he makes it very plain. He says, he says that this fox's sole purpose is to kill and steal and destroy. That basically what he wants to do is he wants to eat us up. We will make an argument that Jesus was completely committed to saving souls, right? Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you also say that Jesus was tenacious? He, he was willing to go all the way to the cross. He was willing to die. He was willing to give up his life. He was willing to make any sacrifice necessary to win souls, correct? Okay, are we, am I correct? All right, then why would we also then uh, come to the conclusion that this fox that Jesus talks about isn't as equally committed and equally tenacious to killing us and stealing from us and destroying us. Why, if we think that Jesus was that committed, would we not believe that the enemy that he came to oppose is equally as committed to our destruction? So we think that we, even though we can testify that Jesus loves us that much, we seem to come to this conclusion. We wink at the enemy's tenacity. We, we, we roll our eyes when somebody says that he is dangerous to us. And so the result is this. We begin to, if you will, we begin to, to flirt with and hang around with and, and hang on to and play with danger. And we always come to the same place. We think we're too fast. We think we're too wise. We think we're too tough. We think we're too strong. We think we're too, whatever the blank is for you. I'm too gifted. I, 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 I'm too pretty. I'm to, okay, that's not most of us, all right, but, but whatever the conclusion is, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, that this is what keeps me from being caught. We make this assumption that we're the exception rather than the rule. And so we begin to say things like this, run, run as fast as you can, devil. You can't catch me because I'm the invincible man. What they couldn't handle, I can handle. What they got trapped by, I won't get trapped by. What snared them won't snare me. Okay, it's quiet up in here. See, 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 we, see, we think that we're the, the, the exception, that the trap is designed, that, that was laid out is enough to catch others, but not us. And then we wake up, and we're not only caught, but we're destroyed. See, I, I'm convinced that the power that Jesus gives us when we come into relationship with Him is the power to refrain. It's not the power to dabble and dash. Okay, come on now. Y'all were real loud during praise and worship. Talk to me a little bit. How many of us accept Christ as, as our Savior and, and we and instead of refraining, now we just dabble and dash and we begin to think that, that uh, now that we've experienced and encountered Jesus, that now we're strong enough to manage and handle and deal with what was killing us before Jesus. I never have, I don't understand that. I, I come into contact with people that their lives are being utterly destroyed. They have an encounter with Jesus. Then now all of a sudden they know Jesus and they think they can go right back to doing what they were doing. But because I know Jesus, that's not going to bother me anymore. That's not going to destroy me anymore. 
because we think we're the exception. Um, maybe we've missed the point. Maybe, maybe we've just missed the entire point of why Jesus came. Maybe we've misunderstood. Maybe, maybe we've misapplied. Maybe we don't understand that Jesus came into our lives not so that we could keep doing what we've always done and survive, but instead, maybe he came so that we could escape and thrive. It isn't that, if that isn't the case, then may I submit to you that if, if, if Jesus didn't come so that we could escape and survive, then, then can I submit to you, then we could be saved and still addicted. We could be saved and still broken. We could be saved and still destroyed. We could be saved and still stressed out. We could be, whatever it is for you, we could, we could be saved. If Jesus only came so that, so that we have this encounter with him and now we dabble and dash, but we don't escape and survive, then, then, then maybe, maybe we've missed the point. Because when I read the New Testament, Jesus makes it very clear that when, after he tells us the devil's goal, he makes it abundantly clear that his goal is so that we can have life and life more abundantly. And I don't know about you, but life and life more abundantly doesn't sound like saved and still addicted, saved and still broken, saved and still hopeless, saved and still angry, saved and still stressed out, saved and still sick. doesn't sound like that to me. I, abundant life sounds like I escape. And I run. Um, maybe, maybe life abundant only comes when we begin to live life abandoned. Now, what does that mean? That means that, that we abandon the things that were destroying us so that the life of Jesus can be lived in us. Maybe the writer, maybe that's why the writer in the New Testament in Hebrews, we love to quote this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer says to us, lay aside every weight, lay aside every weight. You've got to, make this un you've got to come to this understanding that the writer of Hebrews was not writing to non-believers. He was writing to those who had already encountered Jesus. He was writing to the church. He was writing to saved folks. And so it becomes interesting to me then that when he writes this, he says, he, he, says lay, he doesn't say lay aside every sin. He says lay aside every weight. Things that slow us down. Are you making the connection? Yes. Uh, a, a conscious decision to put the things that the enemy could use against us over us, on us, to slow us down, to lay those things aside. Things, okay, so things like, oh man, this ain't gonna go well. Things like, things like sports, and things like shopping, and things like eating, and things like, vid okay, video games, and things like Facebook time, all that stuff, we would, we would fight and say, those aren't sins, and you could be right, but they could be weights. Do you understand that, that they take our eyes, if we're not careful, they take our eyes off of Jesus. If we're not careful, they, they could become idolatry. Well, I would never bow my knee to an idol. I mean, you go come into my house, and I ain't got no idol. And, well, I started thinking about my house. All my furniture's pointed one direction. I, 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 um, uh, uh, maybe not sin, but maybe weight, maybe, maybe things that slow us down to being caught speed. 
You missed it. Maybe the stuff that we pay so much attention to is not a sin, but if we're not careful, it's, it's the thing that slows us down to being caught speed. Uh, the second thing that this, the, the, the gingerbread man teaches us is this, is that destruction takes place slowly. I, I, I recognize that no one, I, I, at least I've never met anybody that just suddenly wakes up destroyed. Like one day they're blessed and the next day they're living in depravity. Anybody met anybody like that? I've never met anybody like that. Nobody just wakes up one morning and they're suddenly destroyed. It's a gradual, slow, dangerous process. Uh, we, we, literally, we literally drift to destroyed. Oh, come on now. Some of y'all, when you got saved, you were so tight with Jesus. He was like, come on, man, give me some room. You're too close. You're up in my space. Don't you see I got yellow beads on? Back up just a little bit, son. You're a little bit close. We're all up in Jesus' face. I mean, we're right up on him. We're spending time with him. We're, we're, he's consumed our heart. He consumes our life. It's all we, he's all we think about. He's all we talk about. We're driving everybody crazy. Can't you talk about it? It's the Super Bowl, man. Quit talking to me about Jesus. I want to watch some football. We're so close to him. And then all of a sudden, over a period, of time we drift we drift we drift we drift we drift to destroyed the gingerbread man ran to increasing levels of danger much like the gingerbread man i think many of us can now state oh dear i'm a quarter gone and then a few months later oh dear i'm half gone and then six months later I, I, what's happened? I'm three quarters gone. And then ultimately we wake up one morning and we're all gone. See, we go from needing that little thing a little to needing that little thing a lot. We go from thinking about, dwelling on, obsessing over this, this one thing occasionally to now it's consuming my every waking moment and I can't get enough. The, the, the enemy has literally perfected the frog in the kettle method to boil us. Anybody know the frog in the kettle method? You, you do know that if you put frogs in a pot in cold water and turn the heat up as high as it'll go instantly, that they will jump out. But if you just increase the water temperature gradually, that you can literally boil them alive. I don't, don't want you to do that because then Peter will come out and bad pastor, you bulled frog, whatever. Okay, so, so uh, somebody will post you on Facebook. Look at it. He's abusing frogs. You will, it will be in the daily news that you were arrested because you were bullying frogs at your house. And then you will want us to bail you out and we're not going to do it because I told you not to do it. But it works. It works. It works on frogs. And it works on believers. It works on people. He gradually turns the heat up. That's why, interestingly enough, it's ironic, isn't it, that Solomon calls these things little foxes. Come on now, make the connection. Little foxes. Little foxes spoil the vineyard. Little things that we, didn't, we thought we could handle. Little things that didn't destroy us in the beginning suddenly now wreck our entire lives six months later, six years later. And we wonder, we wake up and go, I don't understand, I was whole but now I'm gone. How many of us are in this very moment a quarter gone? Let me see if I can, if I can articulate the pattern. Here it is. We, we're just a quarter gone. How do we know? 
because we're convinced that I can stop when I want to. I can handle this. I, get out of my business. I can handle this. I can outrun this. But then, but then we wake up and, and without knowing it, we're half gone. And here's the progression. I think I may be able to stop. And then we wind up three quarters gone. And we come to this place. I wished I could stop. I, 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 I think, I, I don't know, will I be, am I able to stop? I wished I could. And then ultimately, this is where we get, you can't even get, you can't even remember what it was like to be whole. And we're all gone. Whole sounds like a fantasy. Whole doesn't even sound possible anymore. In fact, he's so good at tricking us, we come to this conclusion. I was always supposed to be like this. It's in my genes. It's just who I am. My family handed it down. I've all, I've, I've, I, I can't help it. I'm always going to be angry. I'm always going to be broken. I'm always going to be mean. I'm always going to be stressed out. And we wake up and the progression is complete. And he flips us up in the air and he eats us. And we're destroyed. Slow steps to destroyed still leads to destruction. We must learn to escape as early as possible and remain elusive from that point forward. All right, are you ready? Some of y'all going, well, where's the Bible to back all this? Okay, I'm going to show you. I'm gonna, can I introduce you to the gingerbread man this morning in Scripture? Here he is. Join me. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 I'm going to show you the end result. And then we're going to talk about how he got there. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 1. In the first light of dawn, all the high priests and religious leaders met and put the finishing touches on their plot to kill Jesus. Then they tied him up and paraded him to Pilate the governor. Judas, the one who betrayed him, realized that Jesus was doomed. And overcome with remorse, he gave back the 30 silver coins to the high priest saying, I've sinned. I've betrayed an innocent man. And they said, what do we care? That's your problem. And Judas threw the silver coins into the temple and left. And then he went out and hung himself. Now wait just a minute. Slow your rope. Back up just a minute. Can I remind you that Jesus was handpicked? Could I remind you that Judas was hand-selected by Jesus? Can I remind you that Judas was one of the chosen 12, that he was special in the eyes of Jesus, and he, he calls him out of the lineup? This is, like, this is like playground stuff. When you divide up in two teams and, and, and I pick Andrew for my team and I pick so-and-so for my team. I got Robert on my team. I got Susan on my team. I got Catherine on my team. I, 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 I handpick them. I get the best of the best. I want them on my team. And Judas makes the cut. And not only that, do you understand also that Judas was uh, 
probably one of the only, only Judeans in the group. If that doesn't mean anything to you, the Judeans thought that Galileans, which was most of the other disciples, they thought they were country bumpkins. They're the high class, higher than them. And Judas is one of the only ones that's from Judea. And so think about the arrogance and the fact I'm special, I'm better than all these guys. And then to make matters worse, Jesus makes him the treasurer. He's handling the cash. He's got the green. He, he, boy, you can't say that today because that means something entirely different. He, he, he's got, he's got the, he's, he's got the, what does he got? He's, he's, he, he, he's got the bankroll. It's a new day, y'all. <laughs> I started to ask if you got the green, but I'm afraid some of the greens got you, so never mind. Um. Um, he was literally with Jesus every day. Can, can, I, can I tell you a simple fact about Judas? Think about this now. He saw the same miracles the other disciples saw. He saw Jesus turn water into wine. He saw Jesus heal the leper. He saw Jesus touch the woman with the issue of blood and the blood stopped. He saw Jesus touch blind Bart. He saw Jesus raise people from the dead. In other words, Judas had eyewitness account of more show-stopping miracles than most of us. He had more proof than most of us. First-hand proof. He walks beside Jesus when they lay the palm branches at His feet. But Judas was the gingerbread man. Judas uh, thought he was too quick. I've, I've heard Jesus' mission statement, but what I really need you to do, Jesus, is I need you to rise up right now because we're under a Roman occupation and I need you to th overthrow them now. I know you're talking about overthrowing them in the future, someday, one day, when you come back, all this stuff, but I need you to come right now, so you're here right now, so why don't you do what I want you to do when I want you to do it and overthrow the Romans right now. That's what I really need you to do, Jesus. I'm too quick for you. I'm too smart for you. I'm too gifted for you. I'm a Judean, by the way. I know too much. I'm too wise. I'm too quick. I run, run fast. You can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. I'm too fast for you, Jesus. And then we see glimpses of it. The process. I'm slick. I can get the Son of God to do what I want Him to do. The process is slow. We catch a glimpse of it. The first time we catch a glimpse of it is when the woman who had the costly anointing uh, uh, perfume uh, worth a year's salary. I don't know how much money you make. If you're, if you're sitting here making six figures, it was worth six figures. If you're sitting here making 60 bucks all year long, it was worth 60 bucks. It, it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all relevant. It doesn't matter. It was everything she had from one year. She comes and pours it at Jesus' feet, but the process had started. And so Judas says, man, come on, Jesus, you wasteful dude. Why don't we take that and give it to the poor. He didn't want to give it to the poor. He wanted to give it into the treasury box because he was skimming. The process had started. And then there's this little inconspicuous meeting on the side with the religious leaders because I'm going to get Jesus to do what I want him to do. And the process is progressing. 
And then we read that Judas, the one who betrayed him, realized that Jesus was doomed. And he comes to his senses and his eyes are finally opened and he's filled with remorse. But it wasn't until he's all gone. The fox flips him into the air and he eats him up and he finds out that the game that he's played has played him and then he sees the results he's destroyed and he goes out and he hangs himself. Now, you'd say, Steve, isn't this a story that we should only tell sinners? Because this sounds like a message for sinners. If you're, man... Sounds rough, but if you're a sinner, you're not in relationship with Jesus this morning, this story's for you. Oh, it is. I, can, I, can, I, can I tell you the truth this morning that sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go? And it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you've ever wanted to pay. Can I tell you this morning that the fox is out there and that he's dangerous? Can I tell you this morning that the only way that you can escape the snare of the enemy, the only way that you can navigate this life, the only hope, the only chance that you have is through the power of Jesus that can fill your life and give you the power to escape and not only just escape and survive, but to escape and thrive. He can do that for you. Can I tell you if you don't know Jesus, he can help help you escape the fox you hear all the christians in the room testifying that that's the truth but why tell this story in the room that's full of believers churchgoers devout i'm devout i'm devoted i'm committed because i'm convinced that there are way too many of us that are on a slippery slope and we continue to run towards danger rather than away from danger. And you need to hear me this morning. If you're in relationship with Jesus, maybe you're fast enough to get past the first trap. And maybe you're slick enough to get past the second trap. And maybe, just maybe, you have the ability to get past the third trap. I'm still strong enough. I'm still wise enough. I'm still, there's enough Jesus in me to overcome this. Can I caution you this morning? You may be the gingerbread man if you're not careful because the day will come. The day will come. And what you will discover is this. Almost too late, you will discover that those who experienced wholeness can be wholly destroyed. You missed it. I'm saying to you that yes, you may have met Jesus 29 years ago at a youth camp. I'm saying that maybe, maybe you had a tight-knit relationship with Jesus six years ago when you gave your life and your heart to Him. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm confronting some of you that just got saved six months ago and you were so tight with Jesus maybe six weeks ago, maybe six days ago. Maybe six minutes ago, although it's been longer than six minutes. And you bowed your knee and your heart to Him. But rather than running away from, you continue to run, you run towards, convinced that you are slick enough to survive. And I just came to confront you this morning that destruction, although delayed, is still destruction. And it is time to come back to a place where we live 
our lifestyle as a lifestyle of repentance and rather to see rather than seeing what we can get away with we adjust and we begin to live our life like this I want to see just how close I can stay to him my questions for you this morning simply are this what's slowing you down to being caught speed it's different for all of us what, what, what is it in your life? What is it in your house? What, it is, what is it at your job? What is it that you do with your friends that's causing you to be slowed down so that now, even though the enemy used to couldn't lay a hand on you, now you're slowed down to being caught speed and you're almost trapped. You're almost trapped. What are you dabbling in that could destroy you? But I'm just a quarter gone. You are meant to be whole. I'm going to say that one more time. You were meant to be whole. But the only way to be whole is to stay whole. Why limp through life halfway? Why live, limp through life quarter gone when Jesus has for us wholeness. I'm going to pray for us today, and I want you to do this. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, I just want you to put your trust in Him because I'm telling you, He's your only hope for escape. He's your only hope to be able to deal with the fox. The fox is stronger than you. The fox is wiser than you without the help of Jesus. Because He says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He didn't say, you can have abundant life on your own. He says, I came so that you could have life more abundantly. He is your only hope. But if you're here this morning and you know Jesus, you're committed to Jesus, I need you to examine your life very carefully. I'm not asking you to look for sin unless sin is there. What I am asking you to look for is wait. What are the things? Who are the people? Where are the places that are slowing me down so that I can be caught? And when you identify those people, places, and things, it's time for you to make some change so that he can't catch you. Father, in Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 